E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, whew, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Wednesday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? It's going to be different this year, most likely based on where you live, especially if you're in a, a more blue state. That's that's fine. Just make sure that you're able, if you are participating, to participate safely. Obviously, uh, you can make sure that part of your uh, Thanksgiving will include us here on The Brian Nichols Show, because yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and you are in store, yes, for, you're going to have basically, basically three episodes in a row starting today uh, with Camelia Peterson. Now, Camelia is the editor-in-chief over at the Libertarian Republic, where I am uh, actually an associate editor, and it is a founder by a former U.S. Senator candidate, and uh, he's actually been on the show many times, good friend, Austin Peterson's uh, network at the Libertarian Republic. So, uh, Camelia actually joins the show today to discuss kind of the difference of approach um, in terms of advancing liberty. Now, obviously, using a platform like the Libertarian Republic, it approaches things through a libertarian lens, um, and Camelia is much more inclined to look at the Libertarian Party as a means to enact some libertarian policy. So, Camelia joins the show to dig into how we can best use those platforms to truly enact liberty. So, so without further ado, on to the show, Camelia Peterson here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Camelia, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for joining, and thank you so much for all the work you're doing as editor-in-chief over at the Libertarian <laughs> Republic. So let's kind of dig into that, right? You you find yourself as editor-in-chief. You came from more of the Republican world, and now you are, are the head of a you know one of the top libertarian publications in the country. How the heck did you get there? Going from the Miss GOP. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, so um, how I ended up there was Austin Senate campaign. And so I had gotten involved um, with his campaign um, a little bit towards the very end, actually, because it's kind of funny and he still likes to give me a hard time about it. But um, I was so mad after the 2016 election because I did not like 
Trump. <laughs> and so I probably would have been considered a never Trumper at the time. But um, I was so disgusted with the way everything went after that, that I just kind of buried my hand, head in this when it came to politics and kind of just pulled out of everything for a while. And you know, some of my friends um, were talking about him and I ha wasn't really paying attention. But then I saw him say something because, well, because I had been aware of him from the um, primary um, the debate that Stossel did and had been really impressed. And so I had followed him for a while and I would have voted for him. Um, but the, um, but anyway, it sounded to me like when he was running for Senate here that he was kind of like in the tank for Trump then. And so then I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so I kind of had a little bit of a bad attitude about it. But then finally, when he made a stop nearby, I showed up and I talked to him and asked him some pretty pointed questions and he didn't beat around the, the bat with me. And so... Um, we well the rest is history here we are <laughs> no. so anyway i i volunteered for him and i was all in then and then we became friends and i ended up i'm talking to him about helping out with some editorial work for tlr and here we are here we are indeed and and that's one thing i think is great to see your average uh, person go through their kind of libertarian story, right? Because I think everybody has their unique story. Some people come more from the left. Some people come more from the right. And it's funny, you see some people go from libertarian back to more GOP. And it's funny because like Austin, you know, ran as a, a libertarian back in 2016 against Gary Johnson and, and again against um, John McAfee. But when now he he ran again as a, as a GOP in 2018, and now he's more looking at what he calls it the Tea Party 2.0. And the goal, though, is still to advance liberty. I, I think that is something that is is interesting. I'm seeing two avenues in, in all my conversations as I move forward. The two avenues seem to be uh, Avenue A, use the GOP um, and try to enact liberty policy that way, um, or option B, to use the Libertarian Party to build local, um, strong local coalitions and to actually get Libertarian policy into action in that way. So I guess I'd ask you, kind of what's your perspective? What have you found, Camelia, to be the approach that uh, has had the most success in actually advancing some liberty? So I think that... Um I think that the local approach is the best approach. Um, I'm not, um, you know, I went from GOP and uh, and left the Republican Party earlier this spring. Um, there were things that I just wasn't happy with, and I actually was involved to the point where I was on, you know, my local um, central committees and, you know, delegates and all that kind of stuff, and it was. So anyway, I pulled back from that, and um, I think that um, I think that everybody has to find their own place where they can best work. And I think for some people, um, that is within the GOP. We have some really great um, legislators here in Missouri that are very liberty-minded, and I would consider them more libertarian than Republican. But getting elected as Republicans is what has worked. So you know. I'm not opposed to that. I don't know if I necessarily think that that's the um, only or best way forward, but I do think that especially for enacting libertarian policies, that in order to make um, a difference on a bigger scale, that we definitely need to start focusing more locally. Yeah, I, and I would definitely say it would make sense to make it targeted, right? So let's say, for example, you know, you're in Kentucky, right? Don't run 
a libertarian against Thomas Massey. Just don't. It doesn't right. make sense. But like, no. if you're out in, I don't know, Arkansas, and there's only a Republican in uh, Tom Cotton, and like, we actually want to move the needle. Yes, focus on those libertarian candidates. I also think it's it's being smart in where we're investing our time. And, you know, I, I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that, you know, with our, our new chair and, and, and Joe Bishop Henchman, that we're, we're in good hands. And, and thus far, I, I've you know been led to, to see that that it has been, you know, I, my, I would dare say my any apprehensions I had were definitely answered. And, and Joe has, you know, so far done a great job. And I, I would look at, you know, what he's especially done versus the old chair. And I, I'm saying, you know, yes, thank you for building bridges and, and building coalitions, right? That's been huge. Yes. Um, so, and but I definitely see there's been a push more from the more, I would say, the, like the the principled approach. And that's, you know, with the, the Angel McCardle actually just announced that she's running uh, for LP chair in 2022. And, um, you know, I'm seeing that the reason being is this idea of wanting to focus on the things that are really, I guess, the things that are more libertarian principled that are hitting people in the issues that matter most right now, right? And I think one of the main things that wasn't being talked about was lockdowns. And actually, we, we've been doing great work over at TLR, and that's the Libertarian Republic, um, where, of course, you are the editor-in-chief. Um, and, and we've been doing great work covering the, the lockdowns. So I guess I'd ask you from, I guess, a strictly marketing standpoint, where did the, the Libertarian National Committee or just the Libertarian uh, presidential candidates or candidate and, and in vice presidential candidate miss the mark in connecting on folks the, the messaging of the lockdowns. What was it, do you think, that just we, we didn't... Because I, honestly, I think that the message got taken over by the GOP, and I think it was a great chance for libertarians to be that kind of true liberty voice, you know, let people live their lives as they'd see fit, make, you know, the, the risk-based decisions that they would see fit and so forth, you know? Right. Well, and I, I think you're right. The messaging is where um, we fall really short. I mean, messaging is where even the GOP falls short. Um, but especially for libertarians, you know, we definitely fall short on the messaging aspect of things. And everybody seemed to think, um, at least a lot of people that I heard from, seemed to think that libertarians weren't very strong as far as, you know, opposing mandates and, you know, things like that when it came to the lockdown. But that's really not the case at all. And so I think that there was not enough that was being put out there in terms of messaging having to do, you know, with the lockdowns and, you know, government control and intervention in that. And honestly, there were, I think, some probably not great choices made in what to put out in terms of uh, messaging on some of the Black Lives Matter um, issues. And you know, that sort of blew up and kind of took over, overshadowed everything else. Yeah. Well, it's, it's tough when you're trying to, to speak to cultural issues from not a, a really, I guess, firm grounding in your principled approach to it. Right. I mean, and that's mm -hmm. where you know, the, the, the tweet, you know, we all know the tweet um, that initially, or that, that really, I say initially and inevitably, um, you know, lost a lot of some of the more, I would say, the Ron Paulian libertarians that are out there. Um, it lost a lot of their support. And, and that I think is, is things that's like, well, you know, we, 
we can say, oh, it was an intern's fault. Yeah, that's okay. That's great. But like, at what point are we going to like stop accepting like the little mistakes that, you know, honestly, the third biggest political party in the United States shouldn't be making these little mistakes. Um, and, sure. and, and again, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to see a change. I'm hopeful that we're going to see a more professionalizing of the party. Uh, you know, and, and truly, that's why back in, in the beginning of uh, of the year, oh my God, which feels like forever ago <laughs> when Todd right. was, um was running, uh, I, I initially endorsed Todd. Because Todd was running from a true standpoint of number one, uh, going ahead and focusing on local elections, you know, and focusing candidly on the ones that we actually have a shot in. Um, and and Todd, Todd led by example here this past election, running for Oklahoma Corporation Commission as a Libertarian versus the Republican. So you know, kudos to Todd for actually you know fighting the good fight. Um, but you know, focusing again on the localization, but also professionalizing the party and getting some co- coherent marketing strategy in, in place. And I think we we need to see, and this is one thing for, I think, libertarians in general, is that we are, you know, we're a very, very weary of of leadership, which is unfortunate, or maybe it's, it's the power structure, the dynamic of, of, you know, an authority figure. But we, we right. do we do forget that leadership is important. And, you know, I'm hoping that with leadership, we're going to be able to move forward with, you know, a cohesive message. But we do need kind of that figure, right? That would be kind of like that Ron Paulian, getting rid of all the the stupid divisive nonsense, just being that kind of unifying figure. I I dare ask you right now, Camelia, who who in our movement is kind of that unifying figure? Is there someone that's like that? Well, I'll be honest with you. So you know, I'm relatively new to um, the Libertarian Party in general, um, but I've been watching pretty closely um, since the beginning of the year and, uh, you know, watched the whole online convention and everything. And to me, my impressions as I've come along have been that the um, LP is kind of at a crossroads between the um, principles only and let's just spread the message and be a think tank more type of thing or let's you know get something practically done you know do the work that we need to do you know and sometimes that means that you're not going to um be able to agree with everybody on everything and i think that's where things come apart is that people too many people are not willing to come together and align on the things that um that they can align on and then make progress in those areas even if you don't agree on you know 100 percent everything else yeah well you need to be able to to put kind of like this measurable you know weight and value to certain topics right like if we can agree on, you know, let's say eight out of the 10 big issues, like, okay, like, let, let's, let's build some bridges there. Let's move forward and actually get some, some positive policy into place. But I, I do, I do see there's too often than not some folks in the libertarian movement who they get too focused on like very, like <laughs> there's the great meme for, for Austin during the, um, the, the debate, um, on stage and they're like, you know, should you be allowed to sell heroin to five-year-olds? And he goes, yes. like, no, you should not be allowed to sell heroin to five-year-olds. <laughs> and then the audience boos. Right. And that, like that meme speaks to, I think where a lot of libertarians do lose the mainstream, right? Because your average person, if you do say, well, you should be allowed to sell heroin to a five-year-old, like, yeah, it's going to catch their attention and probably not in the best of ways. Like, yeah, you're going to have like that one in 100 person who's going to be like, really, tell me more. But like, are they really, you know, the average person? Probably not. Um, So I think it is important for us to also be, dare I say, normal people. Mm -hmm, Right. Well, and I think that, you know, speaking of pretty normal people, 
really what kind of cemented it for me as far as maybe giving more serious consideration um, to the LP itself was whenever um, Justin Amash kind of jumped into things. And so, um, you know, I've always liked um, Justin and, you know, admire a lot of what he's done um there you know there have been things i haven't necessarily agreed with him on or understood you know um his logic on it but i know that he um is you know consistently you know principled in what he does um and whenever he you know decided to run and then decided it wasn't going to work out i understood that i was disappointed i was ready for him to be my president <laughs> <laughs> I would still say this is my president, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, what I was kind of watching for whenever he um, decided to drop out of that race was what he would do next. And what he did next was what really impressed me because I thought it showed a lot of integrity is that he didn't back away from the party. He could have backed away from the party, but he didn't. He came on and very publicly started, you know, supporting and promoting the party and still does. And that spoke volumes to me. And I thought, you know, if he is willing to do that, then I'm willing to pay attention and, um, you know, give this a chance. Plus, I mean, not just Justin, but I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, that I know that are, you know, doing the hard work and that are not, you know, on the fringes, making, you know, everybody crazy with all the crazy things they say that then, you know, get the uh, stereotypical, you know, libertarian stigma going. But, um, you know, there's you, there's people like Chris Spangle, um, you know, there's, and, you know, I know a lot of people um, think, well, you know, Spike Cohen, wow, that's really crazy, you know. <laughs> but what I just that's one of the things that I wasn't familiar with Spike um, before the you know primary and the election, everything. But the more I listened to him, the more impressed I was and yeah. the more I wished that he was out there a lot more because his message is so good and he communicates it so well that I wish more people would hear that. Yeah, I was actually on a podcast with Spike. Um, we, it was a panel right before the election. And, uh, you know, him and I in the in the conversation, we focused Primarily, and this has been, you know, the part of my show I've really been focusing on is how we're selling liberty to people. And and really, it's we have to stop talking about the things that people don't care about. We have to stop addressing things that you know we tell people they need to be concerned about. Which, granted, yes, they do, but it's not on their agenda. It's not on their radar, and and we're completely missing the mark. We have to enter in to the conversation that they're already having in their own mind. And too often than not, we're not doing that. We're already we're, we're leading in with things that are completely out of left field. And for them, it's like, okay, listen, I'm more worried about putting food in the table for my kids versus you know, like what drag queen story hour is that the thing that we're talking about now? Like, right, like right. let's focus on the things that actually matter, right? And I think right. that's where your average <laughs> your average person liberty movement sometimes misses the mark is that we're coming in guns a blazing and and not approaching things in more of an educational way and also a solutions-based way i think we do have to, right. to present ourselves and there's one thing too there's a negative stereotype when we we hear the word sales people get all you know freaked out because they're like oh like snake oil salesmen but no salesmen are are actually problem solvers where we bring solutions to problems that are presented by people and and we we try to help make sure that we show that there are options out there to to actually solving these problems. In this case, our solutions happen to be liberty, but we can't go in and start saying, "Well, listen, you know, here here's what we can do for you. We can do this, we can do that." Before we say, "Hey, what is it that, you know, is 
number one concern for you? And they'll, t- they'll tell you. That's the thing, though. You have to ask. And we're not asking. We're, we're so focused, I think, on just being right and making sure everybody knows how right we are that we miss the mark. We're not actually talking to people. We end up preaching to people. And and then, uh, inevitably, we, we come across more of you know the, the guy with the blowhorn on the corner of the street just screaming. And he's not really saying anything to people who is really listening. It's just the guy screaming. And I think we need to focus on getting beyond the 1% vote and actually get to more people. And I would say that goes in many different avenues, right? And we touched on GOP and LP. Now, I'd ask you this. Would you dare say there are any options in the the Democratic Party for liberty to advance? And I ask that because I know we we do see some some coalitions that are built. Um, AOC and Ted Cruz were working together. I forget the specific bill that they were working on, but they were working together. Um, We see folks like Rand Paul and um, I think it's Senator Johnson uh, that work quite a bit on surveillance issues. Um, Or Wyden, I'm sorry, Senator Ron Wyden. Um, So, you know, we see and also look at Justin Amash tripartisan, uh, you know, solutions with his uh, focus on ending qualified immunity. So we do see there are folks on the left that I would say are empathetic to particular issues. But do you think we could actually build some long lasting bridges that are beyond just coalition building and actually building long term, I guess, advocates for liberty? Um, I think that maybe there's a possibility. I'm not sure um, how much of a possibility, but I definitely think that, you know, there are issues that we can certainly, you know, work together on. And, you know, that's, that's actually far more important to me in a lot of ways than, you know, the parties is coming together on specific issues. Um, because nobody's going to agree all the time. I do think that there probably are some more fundamental, um, issues, you know, that, um, you know, that we probably are not ever going to align on when it comes to the Democratic Party, especially with the direction that they're going. I mean, you can, you almost cannot be a moderate Democrat in the Democratic Party anymore. And heaven forbid you are pro-life because you, they will reject you. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about this, though? I, I'm curious because we did see, I, I'll give a little bit of push up, pushback because I think there was a little pushback, right? So we saw there was a, a release um it was really a summary of a kind of ending ending conference call for the House Democrats and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wing of the, the Democratic Party got just lambasted on that call saying, don't you dare try to promote socialism again. Do not promote you know, defunding the cops. I almost lost my election, said a senior representative. So like, you know, there was, I think, some pushback and we did see that with, I mean, goodness, the GOP won what eight seats in in that was not right. expected in the slightest so right. you know I, I would ask you maybe do you think that the the overt messaging from the left of the democratic party is gonna maybe get some democrats to, to say hold on we need to be more of maybe a present yourself as a common sense party do you think maybe there's like gonna be a desire for that um i don't know maybe i think that it uh in some ways, I think it will um, somewhat depend on how things go in the next few years. We most likely will have a Biden administration. Um, I think, you know, both parties, I think, are at a crossroads in what they're going to look like, you know, in the next four years. Um, and I'm not really sure. I don't really know. It's very hard for me to gauge right now which way that's going to go. Um, 
I, no, I, I ask, and I know it's a tough question. There's no right or wrong answer because, I mean, I'm my uh, actual degree was in all things political science, right? But this is actually where we can apply political science, not to, you know, oh, I'm smarter than you on politics, but actually, you know, how it applies to, like, predicting voting uh, outcomes, right? So traditionally, you see a, a swing from the left to the right, and this swing to the right, or to the left, rather, is not a traditional swing to the left, because usually you'll see, you know, one, if not both, uh, you know, chambers in, in uh, this, either the Senate or the House switch over to the, the uh, president's party. So in this case, you'd expect one of or two of those to flip. And and right now, uh, assuming, you know, the, the uh, predictions in Georgia hold out that, that Republicans keep the Senate, not only did that not happen, but the Republicans actually ended up gaining seats in the House. And I'm just, you know, the political scientist in me is saying, huh, interesting, because Trump isn't really a real conservative. He was more of a populist, right? Right. And I think you look at the the ideologue uh, view of a lot of folks in the progressive wing, and it's kind of a, it's it's not talking to your, your average, I think, populist um you know desires right that 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 kind of uh, it does speak to giving people certain things but the people they're trying to market to they're they're actually very i think ap- or weary of, of accepting and embracing that and we saw that with the latino vote really flip against um you know some of the, the more progressive leaning candidates so i i'm saying all that because i guess you know do you think there there there's an opportunity for libertarians to look at those specific areas and actually have inroads to, to you know, maybe start building those local candidates up in those specific areas because that shows me at least that the voters are they're not just going by party you know they're actually listening to what people are saying sure oh yeah i definitely think so i mean one of the things okay so I've done a lot um, in addition to TLR and everything else. I've done a lot in grassroots organization um, for the last six months. And so did a lot of calling into other states, um, you know, about various candidates. And one of the things that I heard over and over from people was that I've been a lifelong Republican or I've been a lifelong Democrat and I'm voting the other way. And there were people who were refusing to vote for some candidates at all on the ballot because they were so disgusted with what the choices were that they just were not going to vote for those people. And I was really surprised um, at how many people were doing that. Of course, everybody was obsessed with the presidential race, you know, so a lot, (laughs) too many of them did not know what was going on down ballot, but there were still a lot of them who um, just, and it, it varied. Some of it was about the protests and some of it was about um, COVID, but there were a lot of people who just had, had flipped which way they were going to vote this time. Yeah. And um, so I, you're on this week with uh, Michael Heiss. Michael Heiss is the, uh, the head of the, the Mises Caucus for the Libertarian Party. And one of the things that we discussed in the show was when you look at the votes totals from, not, not to focus on vote totals in general, but like if we're actually talking about you know, the vote totals, right? If that's going to be a metric, you look at Gary Johnson and you'd think that's an electoral success, right? Because he had like, what, 4 million votes? But then you actually look at the people who stayed around. The numbers are, you know, just a fraction, uh, truly a fraction of 4 million votes that are actually Libertarian Party card-carrying members or registered Libertarians. So 
something's missing, right? We're, we're able to get votes, which, yay, I guess, but we're not seeing that conversion, right, to long-term customers. They're making that one-time transaction, but they're not coming back. And as a sales guy, that, ooh, that's a big red flag for me because you, you should always right. be focusing on the returning customer. That should be your 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 base of business. Yep. You should have that you know predictable revenue every single month. In this case, that predictable voter. We don't have that, and we saw that in the election this year. So I guess... One of the thing, the reoccurring themes I'm hearing across the show, and, and Michael on this week uh, brought this up as well, is trust. We're missing, I think, trust with your average voter. So, Camelia, where do you think we could have some more success in building trust with your average person beyond your, your maybe your Republican or your Democrat politico, actually reaching out to people who are looking for a different message? Well, I think what you mentioned earlier, um, you know, with... Uh, meeting people where they are with what their needs are um, is really important Um, because especially when people view, I mean, if you're talking specifically about libertarians, then um, when people think of libertarians, you know, they think of all of the, the catchphrases, you know, end the fed, you know, end social security and end all of the agencies, all of the acronyms. All the bumper sticker stuff. Yes. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, those are the things they think of. And, you know, that sounds great and all, but then they want to know, um, okay, you're going to cut off Social Security, so I've paid into it for how many years now and what am I going to do? What about other people in, on disability? Are you going to cut them off too? And there are libertarians and there were libertarian presidential candidates who said, yep, just cut it all off. Well, you can't do that. I mean, you know, and that's obviously not what people want to hear. Right. Um, and so that, you know, we need to have reasonable responses to that. And I know that, you know, some people think, well, that's incrementalism, but you know, sometimes that's where we need to start. We need to do the things that are achievable that get us down the road closer to that. And those I think are the things that will um, let people see that, you know what, they probably um, are more libertarian than what they would label themselves at. And they do agree with those principles. They just want to know that you actually are realistic and pragmatic in how you're going to get there. And they want to know you care. Like, honestly, that's, the, I think, the main thing, too. Like, you're, And that's one thing about Trump that I think your average person um, did resonate. If they, they supported Trump, it was because they, they had this feeling that he genuinely cared about them, for better or for worse, for right or for wrong. They believe that. And you know, he, they looked at him as like the, the you no, know, not the person that maybe represented their views the best, but kind of as like the person just said, you know, hey, I'm representing you. You is the, the group of people out there who, you know, they feel right. like they didn't have a voice. And, you know, I, I, it, I hear that because I hear a lot of my family even say that. And I, I'm completely empathetic with the, the argument. But at the same point in time, it's like that's kind of dangerous. And I think that's what Justin Amash has been making his point, right, is is to say that, you know, Trump represents, you know, this this pro-liberty you know, mentality. No, no, to quote Ben Shapiro, sometimes, you know, Trump, when he has a hammer, sometimes he hits a nail, sometimes he hits a baby, right? And and too often than not, we do see Trump hit babies. I mean, during the, the debate with Joe Biden, there was one part where they're discussing minimum wage and and Trump was like, yeah, I'll, I'll discuss raising it to $15 after, you know, after I get elected next term. And I'm like, did, did anybody else hear that? Like, that's not... That's not Republican, right? That we, we all agree right. on that. But like that was something that I think your average person was kind of like, oh well, like you know, it's Trump because he he represents something more than the GOP tax policy. He represents more than a minimum wage policy. He he represents me, the person. So I guess I'll ask you, Camelia, how do you rep- do you think that we can reach people as libertarians now to to you know moving forward? 
hopefully, to get them to be long-lasting people. I know we talked about building trust, meeting where they're at, but from, I think, a marketing standpoint, how are we going to catch their attention? How are we going to stand out and actually get them to, you know, pick up the phone call, if you will. You know, if we're call, if we're doing a sales call, get to get them to say, oh, I know that number, and I know it's the guy who sent me four emails, but that one email caught my attention. What's that one email, that elevator pitch that's going to actually get people to, uh, to, to ask some more questions and pique their interest? Right. Well, I think that, you know, right now, the most important thing that, you know, we're, that people are facing right now are, you know, are all of the COVID issues, the lockdown issues. Um, and we need to be, we need to be out there, especially as a party messaging really needs to be out there in terms of, um, what we would do, you know, in these circumstances and, you know, standing up for people, um, you know, going to bat for the people that are, you know, under lockdown right now. I mean, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, things like what's going on in Missouri with St. Louis County, and I know it's happening in Philadelphia, um, you know, where the mandates are being, being put into place and restaurants are being shut down and people are losing their businesses, um, you know, libertarians need to, you know, as, as a party, um, they need to be right there along with the GOP taking a stand against that and supporting people and doing that in a very public way. And I think we got <laughs> that requires libertarians, and I can't believe I have to say this, but we have to stop acting like collectivists. We have to stop saying, I'm not going to support this because the Republicans support it, or I'm not going to support this because Democrats support this. Like, no, that's not how this works. Like, at the end of the day, you know, we have a marketplace, and then unfortunately right now we're in a marketplace that, you know, you have two flavors, really, and the third flavor is it's RC Cola. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. But, like, that's what we have as a system and we have to acknowledge to people that that's currently the struggles that we're facing so we have to to stop you know just saying well this this is what it is we just can't like the other team we actually have to kind of play ball we have to play nice and realize we have to build up you know our 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 voices honestly um because right now i don't think we have you know (laughs) we don't have enough voices there to uh, to really have too much of a say and we saw that you know libertarians with the the hashtag let her speak for for dr jorgensen during the debates and it's like that's that's well and good but like if we had a voice truly if if we had enough people that there was a demand in the market they would have had her on the stage because there would have been such a pressure to not to, to, to those companies that they would have felt that they should make sure that, that she's on that stage and they they didn't feel that they didn't feel that pain and there, there's a reason for that right because we didn't have enough people already empathetic or at least sympathetic to the ideas of liberty so i think it's on us we have to do better and heck that's why we have folks like you, Camelia, leading the Libertarian Republic, <laughs> editor-in-chief. So, uh, obviously, people are smart. They can go ahead and find uh, all the great work you guys are doing. But any uh, quick articles that you can give us, a, you know, a quick overview um, so, so they can get an idea of the great content they're going to be getting as they go ahead and uh, become avid readers of uh, TLR? Well, um, some of the uh, recent things that we've covered are, um, you know, well, we just put out something about the issues that are going on with lockdowns, um, specifically here in Missouri. We've also been covering some of the issues regarding lockdowns that have been happening in Louisiana and, you know, some of the kind of some of the corruption, even, even on the Republican end of things that's been going on in the government there. And, you know, 
also the, you know, things like the, um, you know, with Ticketmaster, you know, talking about their plans to, you know, potentially require proof of vaccinations and things like that. So we do a, a wide range of things. Um, and we've also, we have some more controversial stuff like um, that it's more on the religious end. You know, we have a, we have a wide variety of viewpoints among our writers. <laughs> so you never quite know what you're going to get in terms of opinion, but there is always a liberty um, message or slant to it even if you don't always agree with everything on it but and it's always great a great group of people too that are writing it so i cannot recommend all my friends and family over at the libertarian republic and with that camelia peterson thank you so much for joining us here on the brian nichols show thank you thanks for having me a quick read from our new sponsor and that is the expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on The Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from The Expat Money Show. What an episode. To learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there, to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikkel Thorup, originally started as a podcast, but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Camelia Peterson here on The Brian Nichols Show from the Libertarian Republic. Please go ahead and support libertarian independent media like TLR and other organizations like We Are Libertarians, Lions of Liberty, and the likes. Uh, honestly, it's you guys going out and supporting us. That's how we're able to keep on producing the content that you guys have come to love and enjoy as an alternative to, yes, the uh, the corporate media's narrative. So uh, please, again, please go ahead and support independent media. Uh, and while you're at it, make sure you go ahead and, and follow us over on social media, right? Uh, wherever you can. So yes, Facebook and Twitter, but also Minds.com and Parlor.com. Yes, I, again, please support us over on independent social media channels too. Again, this is how we uh, show that there's actually support for alternatives that are out there. So at B Nichols Liberty, you can go ahead and follow me there. Uh, and otherwise, guys, I know I'm so going ahead this week, right? I promised uh, a debate, a debate. Yes, it was a fun debate uh, between Theodore from Crowdfunded Government and then Josh Smith. Uh, and we ended up having some uh, some technical issues on, on Theodore's end during the recording of the episode. Um, so I ended up not really recording any of his uh, stuff. I did have a great conversation um, with uh, with Josh up to the point, uh, actually after the point rather, that we did end up losing Theodore. Also, um, shout out to Theodore. I hope all is well. I I, I saw his, um, his page is no longer there on, uh, on Twitter. So uh, you know, hoping all is well in Theodore's world. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I do have a, a great, it ends up being a monologue to start off here on the conversation that was supposed to be the debate. And you know what? Actually, that's not true. It wasn't even supposed to be a debate. It ended up being more of a conversation, which is exactly uh, what it was up until we lost Theodore. But, uh, you know, also uh, going forward, I tried to play, uh, you know, play Theodore's role. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Josh and I think had a very, uh, very productive conversation. And, and definitely, uh, I think for 
all of you guys out there. Uh, it is a great episode to listen. Just feel good as you, you uh, go into the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday with your friends and family. So make sure you guys go ahead and check out our special bonus episode airing tomorrow. Yes, Thanksgiving. Um, and I ask you guys, please be safe. Again, I, I have said it multiple times in the show because I care about you guys, right? I, I want to make sure that you guys are, are safe and sound. Um, now, obviously, uh, this is the time of year where we want to see our loved ones and our loved ones tend to be older, right? In, in many cases, I've seen uh, up even where I'm from in, in the middle of nowhere, people, um, older people are getting COVID. Please, please, please. Again, be smart. Yes, we can, we can stand against overreach from the government trying to impose lockdowns and, and mandates, but that doesn't mean, again, it's like when we're talking about libertarianism, it's not libertine. It doesn't mean just go out and do what you want. You may have to be smart. It requires personal responsibility. And yes, it requires us to, to, you know, in some cases, Act as if you were, you know, to be uh, carrying it, right? To, to not be putting yourself in a situation where you're potentially putting your family, your loved ones in harm's way. So just all I'm asking is be smart, be safe. If you've been quarantining or if you if you know for a fact that you don't have it because you've taken three different COVID tests, by all means, if you had it and you, you know you're immune like Trump, by all means, go have some fun. All I'm asking, guys, is just please be smart and be safe this uh, this holiday season. Um and, and more than anything, uh, I, I'm asking you guys to really take some time and think about what you're thankful for. All right. Uh, this is a, it's been a rough year. Uh, and I dig into this more, uh, on Thursday's, uh, intro monologue for the conversation there with Josh. Um, but there's a lot that we could have not, uh, been thankful for this year based on all that's happened. And I think it is important for us to take a step back and, and truly look at the things we are thankful for. So, uh, going into to Thursday's episode, you know, please enjoy that special time with your family and friends. Enjoy Thursday's episode. Then heading into Friday, yes, uh, we are going to a galaxy far, far away. Stephen Ken from Beltway Banthas joins the Brian Nichols Show. We're looking at the the parallels between our political world and the Star Wars universe. And oh my goodness, there are so many similarities. It's it's a great time. And for a Star Wars nerd like me to dig into the Star Wars fandom nerddom, oh man, it was an absolute blast. And Stephen has a great great podcast there over at Beltway Bantha. So uh, also, before you go over ahead and uh, listen to uh, Friday's episode, go ahead and check out um, Beltway Banthas. I'm actually going to also include uh, a link to uh, the show as well as a, a segment from the show um, in Beltway Banthas at the end of the episode on Friday. So make sure you uh, listen after the credits on Friday for uh, that part of his episode. But um, but guys, otherwise, yeah, it's it's been it's been an absolutely fantastic uh, week thus far. I am very thankful for you guys. So um, if you guys are thankful for what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols Show, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review, and, and then go ahead and just, uh, you know, tell your friends and family. This is how we grow. Um, I have been humbled beyond all belief at the the, the outreach that, that I, I have um, gotten from folks that I didn't know were listening to the show. Honestly, there are folks out there who have reached out to me, and, and you know, I I just humbled is, is the word I keep on saying. I know I always joke I start every uh, episode, you know, I'm your humble host, Brian Nichols, but I am truly Truly humbled um, by the response we've had, especially here um, since September, as we've gone to three times a week um, for the Brian Nichols show. We've had a lot of great guests on, guests who agree, guests who disagree, guests from the left, guests from the right. And that's that's what we have to do. Um, that's part of what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols show, growing a, an ability to have conversations with folks so we can best sell liberty. And that's, I really think, what we need to do and what we need to focus upon as we go forward to 2021. So thank you guys for being along uh, with us here at the Brian Nichols Show on this amazing journey. Um, I'll dig into more what I'm thankful about here on, on Thursday. So tomorrow morning, make sure you go ahead and uh, check out that awesome episode with uh, with Josh Smith. Um, and guys, with that being said, thank you so much for, for joining us here on the Brian Nichols Show. Camille Peterson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Editor-in-Chief uh, of the Libertarian Republic, uh, my, my fearless leader over at 
Live TLR. So thank you so much, Camelia, for joining us here uh, today. So with that being said, guys, make sure you go ahead and uh, hit the, the bell, the, the lucky little icon to know that every single episode of The Brian Nichols Show is dropping Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but with that bonus episode here coming up on Thursday. So with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Camelia Peterson. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.